0: Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. A gay, pleasant evening for all. Oh, a word of caution. Mom or pop, go with the kids when they leave the car. We hope you have a wonderful time.
1: Welcome. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Welcome to the Dead Zone. Welcome back, all you late night weirdos. That over there is Danny. I am Whitney, and this is the Dead Zone screening room. Hiya. Well, hello there.
1: What's going on with you?
0: Well, we just got back from
1: a mini vacation. Yeah, that was very nice. We spent time in a cabin in the woods. Yes, it was only a little bit creepy.
0: Only a little. We were a little too close from the highway, so we could still hear it, Uh so I didn't feel all that secluded.
1: No, no, but we did back up, like our cabin backed up to a good set of woods, and I mean, we went midweek, and of course it's March, so where we were staying is really meant for like summertime. It's really close to lakes and campgrounds and stuff like that, so... It not being peak summer season, it was, wasn't was really very busy, so it was very quiet and everything, and, and yeah, there would be some times where you'd be like, we'd be outside walking the dogs, or outside on the porch, or whatever, and it would get a little bit creepy sitting out there for too long, because you'd start hearing things like rustle in the woods and stuff, so, and then it, to cap it off, we were watching Ghost Adventures uh, for a good portion of the night, so...
0: It, we made it creepy. But there's literally nothing scary about that show, so. No, no. <laughs> but the setting itself definitely put us in the mood uh, for a little horror. Yeah, as always. I mean, it doesn't
1: take much for us to get in that mood. It, it really doesn't, but when you're in a cabin in the woods. It only makes the ambiance better.
0: It really does. Yeah. And And we're going old school this time. I mean, old school.
1: Yes, really old school.
0: So just to give you a quick recap, a few months ago, Danny and I inherited a traveling drive-in theater and were told to watch horror movies of our choosing to figure out what we want to add to the theater's vault and what to leave behind in the dead zone. The only other rule is to never be late opening up the drive-in for those who are able to find it uh, because, oh yeah, the theater moves around. It's never in the same place twice and it's a mystery as to where it'll show up next. But if you can use your knowledge of horror and follow the clues in each episode, you might be able to figure out where the drive-in will show up next. And like I said, we're going old school, so how did we come up with this movie? Well, for our first few movies, we're going with the classics and have deferred to one of the definitive names in horror culture and are using online horror magazine Bloody Disgusting's list of best horror movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And so this week, we are doing probably what some people consider one of the very first horror movies ever. Yeah. (laughs) And it's Nosferatu.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I was really excited to get into this week's
0: movie. I was too, because believe it or not, and and I feel somewhat embarrassed to say this, but I I mean, it's from 1922. I have never seen this movie. Yeah, I hadn't either. I actually own... uh, we have another podcast called Creepy Caffeine, and I know a lot of our listeners have come over from there, so they're probably aware of how big a nerds we are. I, I collect vinyl figures. Some of those are horror figures, and I actually have a uh, Nosferatu and Renfield kind of uh, diorama set, I guess you could call it. I don't know. They came came with little set pieces mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and rats and, and all kinds of things. So I, I've always had, and I've had these for forever. Mm-hmm. They're one of the first figures that I added to my collection because they just look so cool. Yeah. And and now I actually know the story behind them. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was in the same boat as you. I mean, it was a movie that I hadn't seen either, but I think that's what genuinely excited me about it because it's one of those that... Is is so popular in the, in the horror genre, and it's one that's you know been around so long now that it's been you know made into memes and it's on countdowns and it's everywhere. But for some reason, it it I don't know. You know, I just never had that nudge to go watch it. So now having this excuse of the podcast to go watch it, I was excited to, and it, it didn't let me down. So I was I was I was surprised by
0: how much I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, of course, by today's standards, we knew that this really. Wasn't going to be that scary to us. Mm-hmm. We're used to, you know, these professionally scored films and these big jump scares, mm-hmm. and of course, dialogue. That's mm-hmm. kind of a thing that's missing from this movie. Yeah, in the 1920s, there was no dialogue yeah. in movies, it was all silent films, and it had a score that went with it. Of course, the score that we're hearing isn't exactly the original that was lost due to time, but you get title cards, basically, to kind Mm -hmm. of make up the dialogue to tell you what's going on in that scene Mm -hmm. if you cannot decipher it just from the acting itself. So I knew this was going to be an interesting one for us to cover because we literally just describe what's happening in the film. There's no dialogue. (laughs) Yeah. And and I thought that was going to be a challenge, but I, I really don't think it's going to be any different than any other film that we would cover.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it it was just as easy to be able to uh, enjoy it and, and take notes throughout the movie and, you know, pick up on cues and, and well, commentary in the sense of, like you said, those title cards and, and the plot of the movie moving forward and everything like that. It, it didn't seem, outside of the lack of dialogue, too different from movies today. You know what I mean? Like, it still had a plot and the acting, of course, was overdramatic, but that just helped it be as good. As oh, <laughs> yeah. That just,
0: that, that really made some of the scenes for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, same. It was just, it was really good. I was excited that we got to get into it, and I'm excited to talk about it now. Well,
0: of course, we also just found out, you actually found out that yesterday, when we watched this film, mm. it was the 99th anniversary
1: yeah, I was really excited to stumble upon that fact. It popped up and it was like Nosferatu and so I decided to watch it and see what all it had to say and yeah, it said 99 years ago it was made and that's I mean, we knew it was we knew it was an older film. We knew that. But to see 99 years ago
0: this movie was created is wild. Yeah, next year this movie will be 100 years old. Yeah, yeah, that's so crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> Well, I say we jump into it. Let's see if it lives up to its 99 years of hype. All right, so of course, before we jump
1: into it, this is your warning. If you haven't seen the movie, stop now. Go watch it. We're not going to tiptoe around spoilers or anything here. We're putting it all out on the table, and we're going to talk about this this creepy little vampire movie. So let's dive into it.
0: All right, so here's the wiki. So Nosferatu is a 1922 silent German expressionist horror film that's a a, that's a lot for a label yeah it is uh directed by fw Murnau and starring max schreck as count orlock a vampire with an interest in both a new residence and the wife played by greta schroeder of his estate agent played by gustav von wagenheim the film is an unauthorized and unofficial adaptation of bram stoker's 1897 novel dracula Various names and other details were changed from the novel, including Count Dracula being renamed Count Orlok. Now, I need to interject here because the version that we were watching, and I'll explain why there's different versions other than the fact that this is a German movie and we're watching it in America. the, The American version, all of the names, the character names, were actually changed to the names in the book. So... Count Orlock or Nosferatu himself, is actually referred to as Count Dracula, and the Professor, which we'll talk about him later, he's actually referred to as Van Helsing, even though originally in the movie he was given a different name because it's not supposed to be Bram Stoker's. So, it has long been said that these changes were implemented in an attempt to avoid accusations of copyright infringement. However, this seems unlikely as the original German intertitles explicitly state that the film is based on the Bram Stoker's novel – Film historian David Karat states in his commentary track for the film that no source has ever documented this claim, and that since the film was a low budget film made by Germans for German audiences, setting it in Germany with German named characters makes the story more tangible and immediate for German speaking viewers. Even with several details altered, Stoker's heirs sued over the adaptation, and a court ruling ordered all copies of the film to be destroyed. However, a few prints, including the American version of Nosferatu, survived and the film came to be regarded as an influential masterpiece of cinema.
1: I thought that was really interesting. That was a fact that I knew before coming into it about the heirs actually suing about the adaptation and and asking that all copies be, you know, basically destroyed or whatever. I thought that was very interesting
0: that there was a slim possibility that this movie wouldn't have come to fruition, basically. Yeah. It, it was almost just kind of a footnote in history mm-hmm. that it probably never would have been mentioned again, because in fact, the studio that made this film... This is the only film they ever made because of the fact that they were sued right after this. Mm -hmm. They went bankrupt. Oh. And they never made another movie. Wow. So this literally just, I mean, no one would have ever heard of it. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for the fact that they had already sent out international copies. And they were not beholden to destroy those. Mm -hmm. So history is made and we get a classic
1: yeah it is definitely a classic and let's get into the synopsis because i think it at least shortly gives you a small summary of what the story is supposed to be all about it goes on to say that the mysterious count orlock summons thomas hutter to his remote transylvanian castle in the mountains the eerie orlock seeks to buy a house near hutter and his wife ellen after orlock reveals his vampire nature hutter struggles to escape the castle knowing that ellen is in grave danger Meanwhile, Orlok's servant, Nock, prepares for his master to arrive at his new home. All
0: right, so this is where the name thing... It, it's going to start to get confusing. Yeah. All right, so, of course, Count Orlok is Count Dracula or Nosferatu. I think from this point on, we should refer to him as as Nosferatu.
1: If it's any consolation, again, as I've mentioned time and time again, I'm not good with names. So in my notes, I refer to him as Vamp, Vampy, Vampy Dude, Uh vamp guy, our dude. So <laughs> I refer no to him
0: as uh Nos or old Nosy. Okay.
1: All right, see, so
0: our right. listeners will keep up with us I, somehow I think they got that. Yeah. Uh and for the the realtor guy who in your synopsis is named Thomas Hutter, so I just started calling him the realtor. Cool. And then his wife, I call her the cat lady. Just because she's first seen playing with the cat, so that's what I latched onto. Cool, I think I just called her wife, and of course, Nasi's insane servant. I guess, yeah, we call him uh, assistant w- guy. Yeah, he he's called Knock, but I I just always refer to him as Renfield.
1: Yeah, it got it. I think that is one thing that I will have to say about the silent film is. It's difficult because you don't really have those introductions to your main characters. and you, Especially for someone like me, who I have a hard time associating names with people anyways, especially in movies, because it's such a short period of time that you're spending with these characters. You don't have a lot of time to um, associate their names with their faces. Right. So with silent movies, when you don't get that introduction, it's very difficult. I found myself doing that quite a, quite a bit, like trying my hardest to kind of Pinpoint certain distinctive features about each person. So Mm -hmm. when they would do something throughout the movie, I could put that in my notes and know who I was talking about. Um, That is, I found myself last night while we were watching it, finding that very difficult, um, even more difficult than normal. You know, when when I do take notes trying to figure out people's names, more difficult than normal. Um, trying to, you know, describe who I'm talking about or describe what's going on without having a name to say who's doing it. Um, so that is, I think, a little bit of a drawback to a silent film, at least for someone like me, who, like I've said, has difficult um, keeping up
0: with characters and stuff like that. But I may do. <laughs> yeah, and luckily it's a, a pretty small cast. The, the Really, the only other two characters that are the least bit significant are friends of the realtor and his wife who the wife goes and stays with why the realtor has to go out of town mm. but they literally uh, they're just a plot point they, they don't do anything crucial to the yeah. story so we're not even going to try and figure out who their names are
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> cannot and, be bothered
1: and i think it's also important to say that if it, you know if you're just watching it for pleasure i don't think it would be that much of an issue at all and not that we weren't watching it for pleasure, but we're, of course, watching it to take notes and to create a discussion around the movie and be able to kind of score it on a scoring system. Um, so that makes it more important to pay attention to those details. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone would have
0: any trouble following the story. No,
1: at not at all. So, yeah, I don't want that to deter people from watching the movie if you haven't already. Um, because, yeah, if you're just sitting down and watch it, I wouldn't have any complaints about that at all. I don't think that the whole character name issue would, would play too big of a part at all, if you're just sitting down to watch the movie. So I don't want that to discourage anybody from sitting down and watching it at all.
0: All right. So so let's get to the nitty gritty of it. So we start out with some very dramatic organ music. We're talking Phantom of the Opera stuff. Yes, yes. And, and that's just the way that it had to be. The, the music, aside from the acting, was really your your biggest way to tell that story. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to whip up your audience's emotions by by really pulling at the heartstrings when it you know, when something sad is happening or or making that music really rushed mm-hmm. if it's a change scene. You know, we all know how effective music is in uh creating a, a cinematic experience. And never was that more true than during silent films. It's it's all you had to kind of occupy the noise in an audience's brain. It, it really tuned them in to what was going on and and helped them understand how they're supposed to be interpreting mm-hmm. what's playing out in front of them.
1: Yeah, I, I made note of that as well. Plenty of notes, actually, about the music throughout. Just talking about, like you said, about how important it is to kind of help create the ambiance of the scene and, and like you said, kind of help guide people's reactions to the scene and everything like that. I will say it's it's odd when you don't have, you know, talking or or even sound effects from people, you know, moving in a room or picking things up, uh, you know, stuff like that, and you just have the music because sometimes the, the music, while it matches one scene, it'll move to another scene and it doesn't necessarily match that other scene. Um, that was one thing I noticed. We did have a, a spot where something intense happened and we had some organ music playing, And then right after that is a scene where we have somebody, like they had just fallen asleep and they were waking up out of bed stretching and the music was still going and intense i was like this the guy's just stretching like he just woke <laughs> it up it is the most intense
0: stretch ever
1: <laughs> so i think that you know in a normal movie that music probably would have gone the volume of that would have gone down while we would have had the, the volume of that scene go up you know we would have heard the crinkle of the bed and the person sure. yawning and stuff like that and it wouldn't have been as noticeable with but without that yeah i <laughs> I, I think I even wrote down, like, is this the stretch of Satan?
0: Because it sounds intense. <laughs> Should we be worried they could crack their back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah, they they made it more intense than it needed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of the first things we learn off the bat is that Nosferatu has basically brought a plague with him. Where, wherever he goes, it gets infested with rats and people start to get sick and they're dying off. And that is one really big way that this story differs from the original story of Count Dracula. Count Dracula, of course, just basically drinks the blood out of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nosferatu really affects his environment. When, when he takes up residence in a, in a place, it starts to affect everything around him. And, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to necessarily be attacking or setting his sights on you if you are living in his vicinity there's a possibility that you could get sick and die just just from him being there. So so he's just he's not welcome wherever he goes.
1: Yeah, I read a article that uh, somebody had written about this movie in in 2020 comparing it and contrasting it to coronavirus versus what was going on then and the plot line of the rats and everything was taken from what was what was happening during that time, which was the Spanish flu. And that's why I think that differs from a normal vampire take on movies, because they were using real experiences from real life. And the Spanish flu was obviously very scary during that time. And so that's a way to put fear into your audience, basically.
0: Sure, absolutely.
1: Um, and I thought that was interesting, the article that I read, just talking about the juxtaposition between the Spanish flu and the coronavirus and stuff like that, and talking about this movie. And that's not super important to the movie by any means. But I think that helps to at least explain a little bit as to the, the rat thing, because that is... I know when I was watching it, confusing because you always associate bats with vampires. Mm-hmm. So the rat thing, yeah, I was like, this seems like a different dynamic we're going. But it makes sense if that's what they're working with and that's what they're
0: using to um, employ fear on, on the audience. You know what I mean? Yeah, because people could understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, rats are in their minds, dirty, filthy little creatures mm-hmm. that carry disease.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and just like you said, you know... You don't always have to be a victim. All you have to do is be kind of in that general area, that war path of of that disease. And just like, you know, our vampire here, you don't have to be a direct victim to be
0: affected by it. So moving forward, uh, now we switch to our realtor and he's just, I don't know what he's doing. He's frolicking in the garden, sniffing flowers and collecting Flowers for someone. Uh, and then we see the someone who is, we don't know at the time, but it's his wife. And she's playing with a cat.
1: Yeah. Immediately I wrote down, the lady playing with the cat
0: is me in any horror movie. <laughs> Just blissfully unaware yeah. of the doom that's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's going to get keyed in. She she becomes a very pivotal role, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, so then our realtor creepily comes into the lady's room. I mean, he like slowly creeps in and Mm -hmm. opens the door and has this just unsettling look on his face, which I guess is supposed to be happy that he's seeing his love, but he just looks insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he just comes in to make kissy face and give her some flowers, which she then takes from him and cradles in her arms and caresses the flowers like a baby.
1: Yeah, this whole introduction scene is a little bit weird. And I I even wrote down talking about people's uh, hair and clothing styles back then, obviously vastly different than what we see today. Uh, but I thought it was funny because we start being introduced to our, you know, obviously our main characters here and we have the wife who's done up, uh, you know, whether she's in pajamas or uh, her her gowns or dresses or whatever, she always has tight curls and, you know, her makeup is always done real her nice. Her little
0: ringlets. yes,
1: Exactly. Yeah. And then every single male character in this movie fuzzy hair for days eyebrows could be reaching yards at a time and they're just manic and wild and crazy and they are
0: done up to the nines
1: yes and and don't get me wrong the wife ellen is also manic and wild and crazy but she like I said her, her, her hair's proper and nice but yeah every i i wrote it down a couple of times because i was just enthralled by everybody's fuzzy hair and eyebrows because i couldn't see past them probably they were dusting the camera it was very
0: intense. Well, you ain't seen nothing till we get to Nosferatu. Yes, he's, he's got some stuff going on. Uh, so then we make a a switch, and Realtor leaves the house, and some random dude walks up to him in the street, mm-hmm. and tells him, "Do not run from your destiny." Yep. What? Who the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. What do you know about me? And what destiny are we talking about? Not literally, nothing has happened in this movie yeah. yet. You're saying, "Oh, don't (laughs) shirk your responsibilities. This is what has to happen. You're going to do it. All right, dude. (laughs) Just going to have a nice day." (laughs) So uh, the realtor is off to work to meet up with his boss to, I guess, get his assignments for the day. I don't know how it worked, Uh, but basically, his boss is Renfield, who is a crazy old man, and he's reading a message written in what I can only describe as wingdings. (laughs)
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> and you wingdings. have
0: to be young enough to understand. It's still available, but most—I would say—most people might not be aware what Wingdings is. The younger, the younger folks, you, you should. Think, I don't know how much do they play with fonts. It just doesn't seem like something they would do. I don't know. I can't. I, I don't know what the kids are of... into. Yeah, maybe that's a big thing. Uh, well, I don't know. It seems like TikTok or playing with fonts. I want a T-shirt that says, "I only type in Wingdings."
1: We should get you one. But it's typed in wingdings. And
0: no one knows what it says.
1: Unless they do in that case. They will be my friend. Yes, I'll say best friends forever.
0: (laughs) Well, Renfield finishes reading his coded message, and it turns out Count Dracula wants, or Nosferatu, he wants to buy a house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everyone needs somewhere to live. Yeah. And it's just not doing it for him in Transylvania. Makes sense. Everybody's got to move on. In their lives. People giving them the stink eye for the whole plague thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's your people in places. You just got to change them up. Yeah. Really refresh, reset. Do over. Mm-hmm. A mulligan, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. So, Renfield sends uh, our realtor off to Transylvania to, to sell a house to Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you know, it's not like it is today. It's not like you could jump on a plane and say, few hours, I'm in Transylvania. Yeah. Uh, this is this is a commitment. You really work for that commission. Because we're talking it's going to take him months to get there. Mm-hmm. He and He really likes his job. So much so he has to go and tell his wife, don't worry, everything's going to be fine, but I have to leave for several months. And she's upset. I mean, literally becomes catatonic. Yes, this is not happy about it. And, but then, of course, she says, don't worry, nothing will happen to me. Which pretty much guarantees something is going to happen to her. hmm Who says this? Uh, here we have a first sign of our rules. hmm You know, it's the same thing as be right back. Yeah. Well, you don't never say you'll be right back because now you're not going to be back. Now you've said nothing will happen to me. You've guaranteed something's going to happen mm-hmm. to you. This is our first horror movie rule being written in yeah. 1922. Kind of like, what's the worst that could happen? That type of saying. Well, now we're getting ready to find out. <laughs> So, Realtor heads off on his trusty steed, uh, and I guess we're to infer that some time has passed because he arrives at this inn. He's acting like this total entitled asshole and, like, snapping his fingers and telling people to bring him his food. Mm -hmm. He's like, come on, come on, let's get this on the road. I can't wait to meet with uh, Count Dracula. Oh, Things go awry. He has gotten everyone's attention very quickly.
1: Yeah. I wrote down... Uh, if you say Count Dracula in this town, people do not react well. And then in parentheses, I said Vampy Voldemort, question mark. Oh. So. Yeah.
0: Uh, the people who are being infected by this uh, vampire plague. Yeah. Uh, not too happy about good old Nasi. Yeah. Don't react well to him. Uh, so then in the next scene, we see a hyena. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he scares off some horses. I don't know why there's a hyena. I don't know if we're to assume that is Nosferatu or has been sent by Nosferatu to scare off the horses. I got the impression it's somehow involved with old Nosy.
1: Yeah, it was kind of this weird transitional scene to kind of, I think, again, like you said, show that time has passed. I mean, not necessarily a scene, there's time passing, but just give us something to watch as he continues to (laughs) travel, basically. Here's something to look at. Just... (laughs)
0: Because it's it a just dancing kind of
1: bear. Happens. <laughs> well, but, but why a hyena? I don't know. Because I even asked you, I was like, what is that? And you're like, I think it's a hyena. And then it just, the hyena just walks away off the
0: screen. And that was it. He, well, he does a couple look backs. Like, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm a hyena. Uh, I, I think I read somewhere that some people interpreted that that was supposed to be like a werewolf. Like a lot of people didn't understand what a hyena was. Okay. And, okay. But still, couldn't you use a wolf? That might convey werewolf a little more than a hyena.
1: And it doesn't really still explain, like,
0: why. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. The biggest core question, what's going on here? Yeah, why did this scene happen? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it never comes back. We never address it. It's fine. But it happened. We moved past it. All right. So after the hyena, whatever, has scared off the horse's Realtor goes into his room and reads, like, literally three sentences from a book about vampires. Mm -hmm. And now he's exhausted and has to go to bed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. In in a very tall bed. (laughs) Why is it
0: so high off the ground? I don't know. Uh, But, yeah, it was, like, really three... And it's, like, each sentence is on a page. Mm
1: -hmm. It's, like, what?
0: Who wrote this book?
1: And, yeah, and it's not, like... How to get rid of or anything like that. It's just like I wrote down one of the first pages just says 1443, first Nosferatu was born per the Book of Vampires. And it's just sentences like that. Like it's just a fun little fun fact book mm-hmm. that makes him so sleepy.
0: <laughs> it's probably like, uh, you know, those little bathroom books that you can get, mm-hmm. keep mm-hmm. in the bathroom for people to read. Yeah. Uh, this was before cell phones, really. Yeah. You'd keep little books with like little fun facts in them in the bathroom.
1: Yeah. So your ovaries prepared to kind of bring them out in
0: conversation. So the next morning, since all the horses ran off, a new coach has been sent to pick up our realtor. Uh, But this one is all draped in black and has a very odd-looking driver. It's not your everyday Uber. Let's say that. No. uh, It looks like Nasi cannot afford a staff... And so he disguises himself as the driver and goes down. Oh, yes, i uh not Nosferatu at all, mm-hmm. but I need you to get on coach and I take you to him. Who is yeah. my boss? I am not him at all. Yeah, yeah. Because God forbid he drive himself somewhere <laughs> right. and somebody else know. Well, he lives in a giant castle. And can we just talk about that castle? It's a real castle. Yeah. However, not in Transylvania. No. No. So, of course, this movie wasn't filmed anywhere near Transylvania. Uh, It was filmed on sound stages in Germany, but it was also filmed throughout the country of Slovakia, which includes Nosferatu's castle. It's the Avra Castle is the location of all the outdoor shots. Of Nosferatu's residence, except for the final shot of the film, that was actually another location. The indoor castle scenes were staged at the studios in Berlin, not at Avra Castle. So it's this very imposing shot that looks like, uh, it, it's just kind of the way that it's shot. It's it's not actually like teetering on this high cliff or anything. Uh, it's just the from that low angle, but it certainly is a striking shot Mm -hmm. uh to see off in the distance it it makes it seem very secluded and just kind of uh it kind of screams hands off don't come near here Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely meant to give off the signal of i want to be left alone
0: (laughs) do you think it's for sale
1: i actually called this morning to see (laughs) and it is we have a viewing this afternoon oh nice yeah yeah i'm pretty excited
0: Well, a realtor is dropped off at said castle and is met by another very odd-looking man. Surprisingly, looks just like the coach driver, but this is Nosferatu himself. Mm. And he has quite the schnoz.
1: I literally wrote that. It says, whoa, the brows and schnoz on
0: vamp. Oh my goodness. I'm living for it. It is amazing. Yeah. You know, I I have to say that I truly believe the Nosferatu vampire is probably... I mean, it's got to be one of the most recognizable vampires Mm -hmm. still to this day. I mean, think about how many people today can actually say they've seen that movie. Yeah. I would imagine it's probably not a lot, whether you're a big horror fan or not. Mm -hmm. It's just... I mean, it's a silent film. It's not on everybody's radar. Exactly. It's not something that a lot of people are drawn to these days. Mm -hmm. But yet, everybody knows exactly who that is, Mm -hmm. even to this day, literally almost 100 years later. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I wonder if that has anything to
1: do with, you know, just to backtrack a little bit, talking earlier about the rat thing, they were also talking about how Nosferatu himself was also made to look kind of rat-like, the, the rat teeth versus mm-hmm. your normal vampire fangs and everything. And I wonder if some of that has to do with that. It is just different enough to, to, to differentiate him from other vampire characters that that also helped to solidify the character in our minds. You know, it's just just those slight differences made enough difference for him to become so recognizable.
0: Yeah, he, he always looks like... A very kind of, I don't know, I feel like that rat persona Mm -hmm. really kind of fits his character. Mm -hmm. It just feels like he's just this kind of conniving, little slimy, irritant, Mm -hmm. mostly. Mm -hmm. Well, old Nasi invites the realtor to have dinner uh, in the castle, and the realtor ends up accidentally cutting his finger on a frickin' butter knife. I mean, how clumsy do you have to be? Yeah, and it's it's quite the scene. I mean, it is a significant cut. It's not like a little oop. I nicked myself. I mm-hmm. mean, he has slashed his finger open, mm-hmm. and of course, the blood sends old Nasi into a tizzy. Yeah, Vampy is stoked. He's full on, but the, there's no like transformation. He doesn't become more vampy. I mean, with Nasi, at least what you see is what you get. Yeah. Well, so he uses some sort of mind control voodoo shit Mm -hmm. uh, and and gets Realtor to black out. So the next morning, uh, Realtor wakes up. He's still alive. That's always a plus. Mm -hmm. So you're starting off on the right foot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But because of those three sentences he's read, he's starting to uh, uh, get a little suspicious. That old Nasi might be a vampire. Yeah. Because those sentences, at least they were the key sentences to really get that information across. So he, he knows to check to see if he has uh, bite marks. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell. I, at first I thought he did not. I mean, I could see his neck in the mirror, but everything looked fine. And he kind of smiles at the mirror, too. Yeah. I, he did not have the reaction of, holy shit, I've been bitten. He was just like, hey... I have a beautiful fucking neck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's into it. So I had originally put down in my notes, he's fine. Everything's great. So I thought, okay, uh, Nasi didn't bite him. He probably just drank the blood out of the thumb where he cut his thumb. Mm,
1: a little a little thumb juice, if you will. A little thumb milk. Uh,
0: but Nancy Boy decides to head outside to write this letter to uh, the cat lady, who is his wife. He says, don't worry about him. He's fine. But there were actually some bite marks on his neck. I was like, oh, shit, I got to change my notes. He was bitten. Got to change gears. But he says, it's just, it's probably spiders. So, like, that's better. Yeah, it's, I'm probably, my skin is probably rotting off. Yeah. So that's, you know, no big deal.
1: I can't tell which one's more frightening. Because he says it as if, like, it's a better
0: alternative. It's no big deal. Well, he uses several insects. One is mosquitoes as well. So I'm thinking he's thinking, you know, the little not-as-bad spiders, whatever those are. Yeah. Because they're all bad.
1: Your favorites. The ones you let me keep (laughs) as pets. The
0: not-as-bad ones. Which are the none. (laughs) But then he says, oh, yeah, I'm also having weird dreams, but again, everything is fine. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just spiders. It's just the spider dreams. So that night, uh, the realtor shows old Nasi a picture of his wife, and oh man, Nasi is smitten. He's stoked. So immediately, without hesitation, old Nasi agrees to buy the house that the realtor is trying to sell him because, oh yeah, it's right next door to the realtor and his now lovely wife that mm-hmm. Nasi wants to have as his own.
1: Yeah, yeah, because a his response to seeing the realtor's wife, is that she has a lovely throat. Oh, yeah. So clearly he has things in mind. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I wrote that down. I said, in quotations, because he said, is this your wife? What a lovely throat. And then I just said, ew, with a sad face. Yeah, I
0: I don't know why we have to be so obvious about it. I mean, if he (laughs) was a serial killer, he wouldn't say, you know, wow, your wife is beautiful. I can't wait to cut off her hands and feet.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems very. It's going to
0: make the husband a tad bit suspicious.
1: Is this your wife?
0: How does her blood taste? You know? <laughs> your wife is lovely. I'd very much like to eat her. <laughs> is this your wife? Are you attached to her? Or, I mean. Is she available? Does she come with the house that I'm buying? <laughs> So later that night, uh, our realtor reads a few more sentences from that vampire book. At, at this rate, he's going to have it done in a week. He yeah. is speeding through it. Uh, but this time he learns that Nossi drinks blood and that castle spiders are the least of his worries. <laughs> yeah, He's got it figured out now. He, he's in trouble. And and now he knows he has his sights set on his wife.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So next we see old Nossi in all his most... Nosferatu ness, and he is coming for the realtor. He's he's got to get a little more of that sweet realtor blood. Yep. <laughs> but it's it's our classic Nosferatu, right? He's he's coming for him, all bug eyed and big eyebrows, mm-hmm. long
1: fingernails or finger. I don't know if they're nails or if the finger themselves are very long. Well,
0: they're just creepy. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, back at home the realtor's wife, the cat lady, is still catatonic Mm -hmm. over his absence uh, and just randomly attempts to walk off the balcony. Yeah. I took it as like, she's like telepathically connected. That's what I'm getting, but I don't... Is she connected to her husband? Is she connected to Nosferatu? Is he reaching out now that he's... You know, because Dracula was always supposed to have like these mind powers, Mm -hmm. but how... You know, what's your data plan? How far does that reach, really? Exactly. Is it unlimited? He could... Is it considered roaming? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I would think a call from quote-unquote Transylvania mm-hmm. to Germany, that's, you gotta be pretty powerful. That's probably why she tried to jump off. I mean, that would be scary. Yeah. Well, the uh, the friends that the cat lady, the wife, is staying with, uh, they get to her before she jumps off the balcony, but the cat lady passes out, uh, and the doctor can't figure out what's wrong with mm-hmm. her. So, back in Transylvania... The realtor wakes up the next morning, presumably after being bitten a second time by Old Nasi. He goes down to the cellar and finds Nosferatu's coffin. He flings open the lid and retreats in fear. I mean, he does the very that's so great about this. The acting in mm-hmm. this is it's just so top. incredibly over the top. Mm-hmm. He like flings himself backwards <laughs> into the wall and falls down onto the stairs mm-hmm. and is crawling up them because he's so terrified. Yeah. And he runs back to his room.
1: And mind you, Nosferatu's not doing anything nope. in his... Co- literally sleeping. Just sleeping. With his arms crying. You know, just doing vampire sleepy things.
0: Didn't even stir. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm, if I was sleeping in a box and someone rips the lid open, mm-hmm. I, it, it might rouse me a bit.
1: Yeah. Not vampy guy. He's snoozing.
0: I mean, could sleep through a hurricane, this guy. Mm-hmm. So the realtor runs back to his room, but he doesn't actually... Leave the castle. Now, remember, he is now terrified. Uh, he's been attacked twice. He knows Nosferatu is a vampire, and he knows that old Nosy has a thing for his wife. But again, I must reiterate that at this point in time, while Nosferatu is sleeping and is doing absolutely nothing, the realtor does not actually leave the castle.
1: He just can't quit him.
0: He just can't.
1: You know, he loves him. I
0: don't know how to quit you. <laughs> <laughs> you had me, and I want to suck your blood. Nobody sucks my thumb <laughs> milk. Thumb milk. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Do you like thumb juice? I, nope. Okay. I don't like either one. Horrifying. <laughs> We're just going to gloss past it. Because <laughs> if I go back, I might be sick. So the realtor now sees Nasi, who's now up. So any opportunity to just freely leave has, has been lost. Mm-hmm. So he sees Nasi, who's speed building something. I have no idea what's happening in this scene. <laughs> it's like he's moving very fast, carrying... I think this is a scene where he's supposed to be loading whatever he's moving with. To go to another country. Mm-hmm. So he's putting all this, whatever he's moving with, <laughs> whatever he's taking from his castle, his giant tapestries <laughs> and suits of armor, loading them into crates very fast mm-hmm. and putting them on a cart, I guess, to be taken to the boat to be shipped to Germany.
1: All the vampire essentials.
0: <laughs> I've got my napkins, my teeth sharpeners. <laughs> and and then he puts his own coffin. So this signals to the realtor, oh, this guy's serious. He's he's actually packing. <laughs> he wasn't fucking around. Mm-hmm.
1: This is it. That was that was the last
0: straw. He's like, oh, this guy's for real. Like, this is this is not a joke, so I'm I need to actually really escape. So <laughs> This was all fun and games up until now, but now it's serious. Right. So what what the realtor has to do to escape is he does the classic tie a bunch of bed sheets together. Mm-hmm. It's like 50 bedsheets. This isn't a hotel. I don't know where he got so much sheets or why Nosferatu needs so many linens when he really doesn't get a lot of company beside the point. (laughs) So the realtor climbs down his 50 Mm bedsheets to escape. Now, earlier, do you remember the scene where he, like, mails a letter home to his wife explaining that he's fine it's just spiders yes he was he was able to freely just walk out of the castle and hand that to the postman mm-hmm. i don't know why now he has to go through tying 50 bedsheets together and scaling the wall could he just not i gotta go mail another letter <laughs> and just walk out so
1: much mail i had to have so many friends Need all these letters
0: who <laughs> do i have a cramp in my hand from writing <laughs> It's the carpal tunnel. (laughs) I am so popular. I
1: am exhausted from licking envelopes. Wowie, wowie.
0: Well, regardless, the the realtor ends up escaping, and a couple takes him in. But back at the castle, uh, old Nossi basically has shipped himself uh, to Germany. Uh, He's basically, well, he's on a boat now. He's not at the castle. He's made it onto a boat. Mm
1: -hmm. He's on a boat, bitch.
0: (laughs) So then we switch back to Germany, uh, since that's where we're all headed now, Uh, and now we see which our version tells us is Van Helsing, Uh, and he's a professor, and he's teaching a class in the town, uh, this fictional town in Germany, wherever uh, the realtor's from and and Nossi is getting ready to move to. Uh, He's teaching about bugs, because this makes him the perfect authority on vampires, that's all he does is talk to them about bugs. But somehow he becomes the man that we're going to come running to mm-hmm. uh, when the shit goes down.
1: Yeah, and this is the one with the uh, Venus flytrap.
0: Yeah, and yeah. he says, see, it's like the vampire of the bug world.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the book said v- vampire of the vegetable kingdom, which I thought was very regal. And and so much so that I wrote it down and thought I, too, would also like to be the vampire <laughs> of the vegetable kingdom.
0: Well, Venus flytrap. Can we call that a vegetable? I, that's
1: what I thought was hilarious. It's, I mean, it's just a little. It's a plant. It's not like a you know carrot or zucchini. Yeah, it, but I, I like Vampire of the Vegetable Kingdom being like the name of like a group of like vegetarians, like a v- vegetarian motorcycle gang.
0: Vegetarians that drink blood. Is that what you are going for? No, they're vampires of the vegetable kingdom. Okay, so they bite the necks of cucumbers.
1: Exactly. Ah. You're catching up. You can't be a part of the gang, but you're catching up.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's a fair cop. (laughs) If I can't understand it, how could I be part of it? Exactly. (laughs) All right, so remember Renfield, uh, the uh, little servant person? I don't understand how this guy is connected to Nosferatu. I I mean, he's obviously dedicated to him. How did he get the job as the boss at at a realtor place. School? School. No, he's the realtor's boss. He's the one who sent him over. No, I'm saying he probably went to school to get that job. But he's mad as a freaking hatter. That doesn't mean he doesn't go to school to get a graduate degree. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, clearly, this person should not be in charge of anyone. Oh, I agree. But, I mean, at this point, he's gone off the deep end. He's running around town. He's pulling out his hair. Oh, yeah. I don't know, doing gymnastics. He's a loon. Half the town is after him. Meanwhile, cat lady is sitting on the beach still catatonic Mm -hmm. she just obviously we have to show how women cannot function if their men leave town yeah even if there are other men around who could help because she's staying with a couple there's Mm -hmm. a man in half of that
1: it doesn't seem like they're trying to like get the cat to come over though maybe the cat will help her
0: i mean we haven't seen the cat since the beginning as far as we know the vegetable vampires could have eaten it
1: it's true but I mean there's emotional support animals so I'm sure the cat could help and maybe she it's cat atonic
0: well she it, wants a cat oh, I get it I get it well, she didn't have her man at home to explain that to her. So that's not an option. Explain
1: it to her. <laughs> Look, honey, all you need is the cat. I, you don't need me. Well,
0: men have to be around to explain those things. That's, you know how that works. Right? How do we
1: know? How do we know these things without these men?
0: <laughs> exactly. It's why you and I are always in the dark. There's no man in this house. We don't know anything. But she gets this letter which says he's coming home. Mm-hmm. But before he gets home, of course, we know that old Nasi's got a, a, a head start. So the ship he was on, we're now on that ship, but that that ship has mysteriously come down with a plague mm-hmm. and all of the crew members have been dying off. And it's literally down to the captain and his first mate. And the captain goes, you know what? Almost all of us are dead. Perhaps one of us should go down into the hold and, and just make sure everything's fine down there. I mean, at this point, <laughs> it's just the two of us. You I probably should, should have checked earlier, <laughs> but now I'm, I'm pretty sure something's wrong. So, yes, he sends his first mate, mm-hmm. as the captain does. Mm-hmm. And here we have one of the most iconic scenes from this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's when Nosferatu literally rises from his coffin. Mm-hmm. And it's such an iconic scene. It will not be the last time this thing has has been done because it is so effective and creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's just that from a laying down position, he literally just stands directly up without, yeah. without bending or moving. And it's really quite striking. Yeah. And to know that for the first time this was done was in 1922 in this silent film, it's really cool to see it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's... The- still like you said just as effective It's oh it's, it's totally effective he's very creepy in the scene
0: meanwhile cat lady is still in her weird trance thing and can sense that the realtor is near and must go to him so she runs off into the night so crazy old renfield is waiting out of his window because now nasi's boat is pulling into port and he just happens to be able to see it out the window uh, from his asylum room mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: And he and he says The master is coming
1: Yeah, right here is when I made a note That I really think that the ship scene Should have gone on longer And I put in a suggestion I said Nosferatu on the ship Really should have led to a sequel Nosferatu, vampire pirate Sharks aren't the only ones hunting for blood Oh, um, nice And I really thought that that could have taken off So I was ho- I mean, hoping for more there's
0: always time Mm-hmm, mm-hmm
1: I was sad that the boat scene was over.
0: You know what? I love the boat scene.
1: Yeah, me too. It was great. We need more of it. I want him in a, with an eye patch.
0: <laughs> well, I mainly like it because we have the scene where he's coming out of the ship's hold. And it just has his hand come up mm-hmm. over the mm-hmm. side. And those long fingers and long fingernails just kind of do that slow... yeah. Where it folds down over the side Mm -hmm. and then he pulls his head up and those big eyes and the eyebrows. It's really creepy Mm -hmm. and super Mm -hmm. effective.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: Actually, this is the moment when Renfield actually escapes out of the asylum. Uh, Earlier, we just saw him being crazy. This is when he actually escapes and and now he's running around like a lunatic and people are chasing him and he's flipping around on things and just being a goof. He's excited. For his master. He is super excited because he and he thinks I need to get out because I now need to go serve my man. He's here. Uh, but then we, we switch to Nosferatu is now off the boat. <laughs> and, you know, he's got to go to his new house, but mm-hmm. no one is there to meet him. Renfield has dropped the ball and uh, has has not been there waiting for him. So poor old Nosy has to carry his own coffin <laughs> through the streets He's just, la, 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 nothing to see here. There's there's nothing weird about me carrying my own coffin. Through, I don't look conspicuous at all. Just heading to my new home. <laughs> Hope to see you all there very soon. <coughs> my housewarming party. Pardon me, sir. Do you know where 222 Baker Street is?
1: <laughs> just Everyone got a just...
0: coffin delivery. That's all. Everyone's just screaming and running away. <laughs> Well, shortly after uh, Nasi's ship arrives, uh, the realtor arrives home and goes to his house and the cat lady collapses into his arms. I thought she had run off to find him. How was she just waiting at the house? Did she not like, I must go to him. And she ran out of the house. I don't know how she got back home.
1: Maybe she like got halfway and then she was like, oh, wait, I should probably just meet him at home. (laughs)
0: He's (laughs) probably just coming straight here. Where else would we go?
1: So she just goes back and waits for him. (laughs)
0: I did tell him to pick up milk. (laughs) So, of course, now that our lovely couple has reunited, just about the same time, old Nasi is moving in right next door. So the authorities now discover the ship that Nasi came in and find everyone is either dead or missing. And so now everyone is trying to figure out what happened, and they all think it's just due to the plague. They think the plague has come over on this boat... So now there's this immediate shelter-in-place mandate, and that's exactly what it is. They send a town crier out with his drum, and he drums it around, and he gets, you know, to every so few households, and he stops, and he yells and say, The plague's here. Stay in your house. Don't fucking go out. You the know plague's what? here, everybody. <laughs> it's come. We've all heard about it. <laughs> but you know what they all do? They all fucking shelter-in-place. Weird. Isn't that crazy? It's a crazy idea, though. I've never heard of it. What if COVID just turns out to be vampires?
1: It's going to be a wild twist.
0: <laughs> what a twist? <laughs> this plague is brought to you by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> And then we have a priest going around doing something that I don't understand. I was actually going to look it up. He's putting crosses on some of the doors, but not all of them.
1: I think that has to do with the dead, doesn't it?
0: Well, that's what I was thinking, was that... Like they mark the houses that have been... That- Right, that have a dead body that needs to be picked up. Mm-hmm. But then it shows him, like, knocking on some of them. And, like, a woman came out of one and says something to him. And she closed the door. He doesn't go do anything. Maybe she was a zombie. <laughs> then he goes to the next door. He d- he doesn't knock or do anything. He just automatically puts a cross on it. Like, oh, I already know. I don't know. But that that was kind of my guess, is he's mm. trying to signify where do we need to stop and, and uh, pick up dead bodies, which is a horrifying reality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so in our next scene that damn harlot cat lady was told not to look at the book of vampires but was this woman do she can't be tamed she cannot help her sinful womanly ways and reads it anyway she's a wild woman well in reading she reads more than the six sentences that her husband has read and finds out that only a woman can break Nosferatu's frightful spell, a woman who is pure of heart and something about the fact she has to stay by his side until the cock crows. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's a euphemism.
1: I don't either, but I like it either way.
0: <laughs> so the cat lady decides she has to seduce Nosy to break the spell over her husband and their town, and he very dramatically throws himself on the bed when he realizes the sacrifice mm-hmm. she is going to have to make. I mean, yeah. It is. <laughs> this whole movie is full of flinging bodies oh, everywhere. I, he literally did like the hand to his head, mm-hmm. like he's gonna faint, and then he just flops on the bed. He's so distraught. Yeah. So later that night, Nasi calls out to the cat lady with his big old brain, and she feels it in her titty. She literally grabs her boob. She can feel the the call of old Nasi. Mm-hmm. Her, her the titty call. Uh, she flings open the window and tries to withstand Nassi's siren song. She begs the realtor to get Van Helsing because a bug man is exactly what you need in this situation. <laughs> so the realtor takes off. But here comes Nasi to get the cat lady. And here we see that classic shot of his shadow. Going across the wall, just that silhouette mm-hmm. of Nosferatu with those long arms, and he almost—I've always thought that he was walking like he was exaggerated tiptoeing, like they do in cartoons when yeah. they're trying to be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, <laughs> it,
1: it always seems like he's walking like that. Mm-hmm. I can see that now. I kind of wish that he was, <laughs> and I wish there was like you know in cartoons they do like the piano with the steps. Uh huh. Ding, 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 ding. Because yeah. they like, I wish that was a hat. like, like the tinkling of little feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like him, giant and creepy, but
0: then you have tinkling little toes as he tiptoes across the floor. Perfect. I almost don't want people to watch this movie. I want the version that they're getting from us, <laughs> yes, <laughs> to be the way they think it actually is, mm-hmm. and they try and explain that to their friends. Yeah, their friends are all like, I don't think this is a real movie <laughs> that you're describing.
1: See, I've seen a movie called Nosferatu, but what you're explaining is not so, it. None of this. <laughs>
0: So he enters the cat lady's room, and we get this really cool shot of the shadow of his hand falling across her body. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very suggestive, thinking that he is about to basically overtake her he's, he's going to try and, and drink from her and kill her so just the the symbolism of that shadow of her his hand just running across her entire body mm-hmm. that was super effective yeah and so then he drinks from her and he's just kind of crouched in the corner where it's really shadowy and dark but he's just kind of staring out as he does it and it's super creepy
1: yeah this whole um last scene here with like you said all the shadow play and then yeah, there's his creepy movements and we understand what's happening. This whole last scene is 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 very unsettling.
0: Yeah, it's really effective. Uh, but as he's drinking, we do indeed see the cock crow. Uh, so euphemism or not, this has changed something. We switch real quick. We see that Renfill has been taken back into custody. I don't remember seeing how that happened, but they, they got him. It's It's fine. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, old Nasi is susceptible to sunlight, mm-hmm. and uh, the dawn breaks, and sunlight starts to come through the bedroom window of the cat lady, and Nosferatu dies. hmm In a puff of smoke. In a poof. A he, poof. Go- he goes a poof. Uh, then the realtor comes in to check on his wife. You know, I, I assume he got the bug man. I don't see him again. And she is overcome with joy. She lifts her arms up. She's so happy. She defeated old Nassi. Uh, but then she dies. Yeah. I mean, she literally live for like 15 seconds. And, uh, and that's about it. But the town is saved. Mm-hmm. And everyone lives happily ever after. Yeah. Except Renfield. I think he dies too. Or at the very least spends the rest of his days in an institution. So, um, you know know who you're aligning with, my dude. Yeah. And that's it. That's 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 the film. That's the In movie. In a nutshell. It is a fun one. I actually really enjoyed it. I was worried about it. I, w- I was really worried about you because I'm just such a film nerd mm-hmm. that just the fact that I am watching something that I know is so historical is just cool to me, yeah. whether or not I enjoy it. So I... No, I mean, I obviously you like movies, otherwise we wouldn't be doing this podcast, but you're not, like, the nerd that I am that, like, gets into all the facts and wants to watch all the commentaries. I mean, you're, I think I've started to push you in that direction, but you're not obsessive about it like me. Mm. And thank God, one of us <laughs> has to maintain their sanity. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I was worried that this was going to be a hard one for you. But I, th- I think you actually really kind of ended up enjoying it, if I could speak for you.
1: Yeah, I really did. I was surprised by how much I did. because, And I was never really worried. I was, like I said, from the get-go, pretty genuinely excited to see this movie, just because I hadn't. And it was never on my list to see, but when I knew that I had an excuse to see it, I was excited to. Um, so I think, similarly to you, going into it, knowing the history of it, knowing as we were watching it that this was a 99-year-old movie, uh, it was something vastly different from what we normally watch, I was excited, and there wasn't any part of the movie that let me down or anything like that. It's, it's, a, it's a fairly short movie. It's only 80 minutes long, so it never felt like it was getting too long or anything like that. Uh, like I said, my only qualm walking away from it was just the, the characterization naming parts, you know, and that's just a fallback to a silent movie. And, and, and I think my own issue with naming characters, I don't know that everybody would have that issue at all. But yeah, surprisingly, I ended up enjoying the movie overall far more than I thought I would.
0: Yeah, well, it certainly isn't difficult to follow at all. It, it, it's just kind of like watching a really big, long music video. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be super interesting. I know they did a re-release in the 70s that actually had, like, rock music to it. And mm-hmm. it was done by a band. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it. It's pretty obscure, at least to me. It's not a band I would ever heard of. But I think that would be really cool if someone would go to the trouble of, you know, there's just always that classic urban legend about how if you play Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and start it precisely when The Wizard of Oz starts... It basically lines up all the music cues throughout the entire movie. Mm -hmm. That would be so cool if someone could find an album that kind of did that for Nosferatu. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that would be super fun to watch it with some sort of crazy score to it. Yeah. Because like I said at the beginning, we're not actually sure what the music was supposed to be for this. There was an original score that was written and was meant to be played by a live orchestra. Uh, when the movie played that's how these silent films were done there was no sound accompanying it that's the whole point (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) why you didn't have any dialogue because they couldn't they didn't have the technology yet to record audio and sync it back up so they would just write this score and a live orchestra would play the music as you're watching the movie Mm -hmm. so when they Got involved in court proceedings over being sued about the similarities to Bram Stoker's story, you know, and they were ordered to get rid of all the prints of this film that they had. I mean, that included get rid of the music. There's mm-hmm. no point of keeping the music if you don't have a pe- film to play for it. So none of that music traveled with these prints that went outside of the, the country to play the movie mm-hmm. so that they were just using their own music to put over it. So. What we hear is not what the original score was supposed to be. So, yeah, I just think that would be super interesting to find other ways to heighten the audio experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think I think a big thing about this movie, especially for those, uh, you know, nowadays that haven't seen it before, the important thing is to go into it just with an open mind and... and not go into it expecting, you know, a whole bunch of jump scares or a bunch of, you know, gore and and stuff along those lines that we see in today's movies uh, that really amp up the scare factor. I think this one's fun to go into it knowing that yes, it's a 99-year-old movie, it's a silent film, so it is what it is and it's fun to go into it with that in mind. It's fun to listen to the music. It's fun to even in some parts, as we did obviously in our notes, kind of create these weird scenarios like a vampire Voldemort, which I still vote should be a thing, also <laughs> a vampire pirate sequel. That could be in the works for us. But honestly, I think that's the biggest part of this movie is going in and just realizing that it's just an 80-minute fun movie to watch. And at the very least to say that you've watched it once. That's what I was excited about was to say that, yes, I've seen this movie um, and I'm happy to be able to say that I've seen it before.
0: Yeah. You know what I ended up doing because I knew that that's there generally wasn't going to be anything that was going to scare me. I tried to watch it as imagine what it would have been like for audiences in 1922. Mm -hmm. This whole new thing of moving pictures. I mean, that alone for a lot of people was scary because it was a new thing. A lot of people hadn't seen it before. And so now you're bringing these images that would have been really shocking and horrifying to them. You know, this the scary makeup on Nosferatu and uh, this crazy guy who eats bugs and... Did we not mention about the Renfield eating bugs part? I don't he was crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I tried to uh, get that across. <laughs> <laughs> but I would imagine just the scene of him coming out of the hole and seeing that hand slowly come over the top and just his head coming. I mean that would have been really terrifying for people in the early nineteen twenties.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think You know, just like I mentioned earlier about the Spanish flu thing, I think when you're doing a movie, whether it's a horror movie or anything, um, when you're doing a piece of film using current events that are already scary happening in reality, and you're using that and you amp it up with a monster or a creature of some kind that automatically creates fear. Yeah, I think it only heightens it. So to go back and view this through the eyes of somebody in 1922, in the peak of the Spanish flu, and you're dealing with this monster that's very rat-like, and you have a scene there in the ship with these rats kind of scrambling around. One bites, I think, somebody's foot um, in one scene. And like you said, the the shadow work and the long fingernail and everything is just so rat-like and and I think rats just are inherently creepy no matter what I mean besides like you know people's pets and stuff like that but you're inherently a little bit creeped out by rats and you know abandoned homes or in your basement or whatever and so yeah here in this time when when you have this plague running rampant through um these towns like this that are killing off people left and right and then you pair that with this creature who's obviously out for blood it's very scary
0: yeah well it it may not be scary by today's standards but at the time i guarantee you this would have put the exorcist to shame (laughs)
1: yes
0: (laughs) so speaking of the scary bits let's get into our prompts so what was your favorite popcorn spiller
1: so for mine I just wrote down that it was the first time that we really meet our vamp in the full regalia there in our castle scene you know as I mentioned after seeing this movie on countdowns and in memes for many many years finally getting to see him and and even in the scene itself where I'm talking about it's not necessarily a scary scene but just getting to see him in his character and in his castle um it was really cool. It was really cool to see this the scene on the TV that I had seen <laughs> kind of comedically made fun of this character for so long um, on the internet that it was nice to see it in full actually happening. And I thought it was really fun to get to see him on the screen for the first time with the music and everything. So that was my scene, just the first eyesight on vampy guy here on the screen. That was my popcorn spiller. So how about for you?
0: Well, for me, it's got to be... When old Nasi comes out of the bolt hole, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just some the way that is sh- it is shot, and everything just kind of happens in slow motion. Where there's this this effect when you're watching a silent film, the way that it was recorded, it plays back at a little bit faster speed than actual reality. So it always looks like things are a little bit faster uh, in in those older films anyway. Those those old silent films. Mm-hmm. But this is done so slowly, which means it has to be even more slowly than what we think because the silent film and the speed that it was recorded at makes it seem like it's a little faster. So he just really draws that out and just his head slowly coming up after his his hand has come up. It's it's almost like he's uh, arising from the depths of hell. It's super effective mm-hmm. and I think very well done.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So what was your um,
0: scene stealer? Uh, My favorite character, it's got to be Renfield. And I don't know why. Because I don't understand what the point of him is. He really, at least in this particular movie, really serves no point. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's kind of the catalyst for us understanding that Nosferatu wants to buy a house back in Germany. Mm -hmm. You know, how are we going to get this villain from Transylvania to come to Germany, and but really, you know, he escapes and gets out of the asylum because he now thinks he needs to serve his master. But he never gets to do that mm-hmm. and uh, goes right back into the asylum. Nosferatu dies, so they're, they never meet up again. So, really, what was the point of his character? A letter could have been sent mm-hmm. in non-wingdings, yeah, <laughs> that says hello. My name Nosferatu. I'd like to buy a house, please, and then we're off and running. Mm-hmm. So, but he was just such a goofball. I just enjoyed the hell out of it every time he was on scene.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was a fun character. Like you said, regardless of the nonsensical <laughs> reasons he was there. <laughs> what about you? Who was your favorite? Um, I ended up putting the wife, uh, just because she was such a goofball. I mean, the not her personality per se but just the acting between the the first scene with the cat just so naive and ignorant to the whole fact that she's even in the movie.
0: <laughs> Everything yeah. was so over the top. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I just loved it. Like I said, that opening scene, immediately I was like, hi, me, I am the Cat Lady. Secondly, yes, the dramatics. And I think I even wrote that down. I said um, every single time she was on screen, it was all about her. She did the dramatics right. Um, and that's it just, like I said, flinging arms, just on bed, flinging her body, everything, eyes wide, mouth agape, everything was just huge with her, and I just thought that was fun. I, I, (laughs) did I ever feel like, oh my god, she's truly scared. I never really felt like I resonated with the character per se, because it was too dramatic for my liking, but I still liked it. I, I just thought it was so fun. She was such a hilarious character with all the dramatics, and so, yeah, anytime she was on the screen, immediately she just stole it for me, so. That Was an easy choice for me,
0: yeah. Uh, the wife was absolutely over the top deliciousness, and I enjoyed every minute of her I- anytime any of the characters it- it just because it's so fun to see how acting has evolved mm-hmm. from the stage where everything does have to be over the yeah, top, yeah, simply so it can read to the back of house. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 you have these people sitting very far away, it's very hard to convey. anything in a small emotion. So they were used to doing things extremely over the Mm -hmm. top. So it's just, it's funny to see how they didn't get that right out of the box, making this transition to these moving pictures. Yeah. Because now every audience member is sitting in the front row, whether they actually are or not. Yeah. Because you have this big, larger than live screen. So it took them a long time to make that connection and realize, oh, we should maybe pull it back. Yeah. Just rein it in a bit. (laughs) Just a smidge. (laughs) But I love seeing that progression Mm -hmm. over time and and how things have changed. So, But she is definitely uh, giving a master class on on acting of the time, for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. All right. So that brings us to your favorite, Gorgasm. Now, of course, we can't say (laughs) there was zero gore. In this movie. Mm -hmm. But of course, for us, gorgasm can also mean like your favorite special effect. So, what is it for you?
1: I mean, honestly, the scene was so small. uh, And I don't even know if it's something that anybody watching the movie would really call a gorgasm per se, but I thought it was a really effective scene. And I mentioned it earlier, talking about um, Vampy Guy in the ship whenever they move the coffin and there's rats um all over the ground and that one guy gets bit on the foot Mm -hmm. it's a very harsh reaction to the bite on the foot and you can see the rat like land on the foot and the bite and the reaction happen and it was enough for me to be like that looked really real just because of how fast he reacts and kind of shakes the rat off of his foot Mm -hmm. it was unexpected I don't know just because thus far nothing we hadn't really had any sort of physical And, you know, altercations or Mm -hmm. anything of the sort um, as far as, you know, evil goes or scary things goes or anything like that. So to have this kind of initiating scene where we're seeing, okay, Vampy's kind of, for lack of better words, like ramping up and getting more serious about where he's moving and, and just wants off this ship and into his new home with his new lady friend. I thought it was a really effective scene to show that basically he's not to be messed around with anymore. Like, he's getting serious, and he's getting ready to evolve into the more dangerous creature that we know this movie is meant to be about, basically. So I thought it was a really nice scene. Uh, Like I said, I don't- it was just a simple rat biting a guy's foot. Who knows? I'm sure it was just a little fake rat that they just threw at a guy's- I I have no idea how it was done, but- I thought it was effective. I don't like a rat biting my feet. Call me crazy.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, I imagine a lot of people don't, especially like you were saying earlier back at this time where, you know, the Spanish flu is going on and, and people are really hyper aware of disease mm-hmm. and not wanting to spread germs. So, yeah, I would imagine that would probably be extremely effective to see in a movie back then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what about for you? What was your orgasm moment?
0: Well, for me, it's gonna be when Nosferatu stands straight up in his coffin mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. bending, without moving. What an effective and super frightening scene to be someone living in the 1920s and not understanding anything about special effects and camera tricks. They would literally think this was magic. Mm-hmm. I mean,. I'm putting words in their mouth and maybe they did get it, but it just seems like that they would think this is they would not understand how they do that. Yeah. How did they get that man to do that? Sometimes I don't understand.
1: And it's 2021. (laughs) Exactly. So I get it.
0: (laughs) But it really is so effective that they are still doing that trick in Mm -hmm. the movies today. And it really is very impressive Mm -hmm. and and effective for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's super creepy. And it was really well done in this movie. So I think next up our answers are going to be pretty similar. But what is uh, your memorable mortality?
0: Well, uh, we only got a couple to choose from. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're very brief. Uh, but mine has to be the cat lady. Just because I wasn't sure at first if she was dead. I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, mm-hmm. she. Uh, so she's dead, right? Mm-hmm. We d- We didn't. We didn't survive that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it kind of, you know, in today's movies, we're used to getting our final girl. You have your happy ending. Mm -hmm. And here we go. We've been rooting for this lady the whole time. She's been catatonic over her husband. And she's had this crazy connection with Nosferatu. And he's been after her. And she doesn't survive. Mm -hmm. We lose, basically. Yeah, yeah. Even though our villain goes down So does our final girl. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And actually that ended up being the same response for me. I know that we had, um, you know, our vampire guy die and then the puff of smoke and that was awesome and everything. But I agree with you. I think, you know, having, you know, our kind of damsel in distress here, our final girl moment where we're hoping that everything's okay, you know, and after she's bitten and she opens her eyes, we are. We're given this sense of relief, uh, and then only for it to be shattered only a few minutes later. And, and yeah, I agree with you. I think that's, it's a little bit jarring, especially in comparison to today's movies where we are, even in horror movies, we're used to things being wrapped up in a bow and we're used to things, um, you know, characters being able to move on and evolve and, you know, they they got rid of the bad guy and everything's okay again. And I think it doesn't help that this one has such few amount of mortalities. You know, in other movies, we're usually dealing with bigger groups of people. So we do have that one final character that we can count on. But with this one, we only have really one person that we're looking to for the answer. And it's just one. So when that one person ends up dying, yeah, we're left a little bit like, oh, okay, well, (laughs) movie's over. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it's memorable in the way of, you know, she's so so dramatic and and does everything up throughout the whole movie and and then she ends up dying it doesn't go unnoticed because we're we are rooting for her throughout the whole movie and then this this death scene being done so quickly so close to the end of the movie I don't think it gives you time to forget and I think that's good I think it's good that it's not like in the middle of the movie and we're just kind of left with 30 minutes of the movie sitting there wondering like Okay, well, now who do we count on? You know what I mean? I think it's nice that we're left with a few seconds of the movie. So we're kind of left with the memory of this, you know, her and her thematics and, you know, all over the place. And we're not forgetting about her and only left with the memory of our vampy guy popping away in in a blast of smoke, basically.
0: (laughs) Sure. Now, if this had been a movie made today... Old Nasi would find a way to come back. Oh yeah, <laughs> we got to set up for those sequels. Mm-hmm. Vampy pirate,
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, of course, this brings us to the ultimate question: Do we drop it in the vault or leave it in the dead zone? This one is tough. It is tough. My, uh, I will just tell you, in my notes for this prompt, I wrote down my first sentence is vault. It has to be vault, mm-hmm. right? That's that's literally my first sentence. Yes. Is I give an answer and then I question my answer, mm-hmm. but it has to be vault, right?
1: <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm I. I can't, I don't know, you know, my answer I write down, is say, this one is tough, because I can appreciate this movie for what it is. In fact, I rather liked the movie more than I thought I would. But it, it wasn't scary. That probably has everything to do with seeing it now versus seeing it then. But still, I find it hard to put it in with what we have so far in the vault uh you know f- for the podcast and saying that I do know that it's a staple within the horror community and I do know that it set us up for plenty of horror movies in the future and and will continue to do so because it was so influential so I- I'm torn because I feel like it sh- it belongs in the vault for those reasons but did I personally find it scary would I personally go back and 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 rewatch it you know for for good horror memories and everything like that probably not
0: all right well so you're, I think, no. you're thinking exactly like me. Yeah. Here's my reasoning why I think it should go in the vault. Okay. But I, I do agree 100% this is a hard one to classify. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of ask the same question to myself. Is it a classic? Yes. Am I going to trot it out every year and give it a rewatch like I do other horror movies that I love? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I'm probably never going to see it all the way through again. Mm-hmm. Is it a classic? Any self-respecting horror fan should see at least once? Probably. Yeah. But really, if you never see it, that's fine too. Yeah. Because you should never let anyone tell you what you should and shouldn't like. Yeah. You can still be a fan of horror, even if you don't like some of the movies people claim are staples Of the genre. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that gets overlooked a lot in this horror community. Yeah. Is people get their favorites and we have these classics and it almost becomes kind of like this snobbish thing of, oh, you don't like that movie? Mm -hmm. Or you've never seen that movie? Well, so what? Mm -hmm. Who cares? Just because you really love this movie and think it is a perfect representation of the horror genre. Mm -hmm. That's you, and that is your opinion, and that's fantastic. I'm so glad you love this movie. But really, to insist that in 2021, we tell people, you have to see this movie that was made 99 years ago, is absurd. That you're not truly a true horror fan if you never watch this. That's ridiculous. You Mm -hmm. don't want to watch it? Don't watch it. Was it fun as hell? Yes, for us it was. We, we enjoy that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We also enjoy having a podcast where we can talk about it. Yeah. And that's just not for everyone.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, uh, we've talked about it from the get-go. I think that's the important thing about the horror genre. You know, we may not find this movie scary, but maybe those that genuinely have a creeped-out factor about vampires, or even rats, you know, like I said, this, those played such a big part in this movie. They may find this movie genuinely creepy. And I think what you said is important about not forcing ourselves to put things in boxes or in the vault or force ourselves to like things just because it's, quote unquote, in a staple a staple within the community. Because I think that is important. I think we don't have to hold each other accountable or our community accountable to liking certain things just because it's been around a long time. There's plenty of things that have been around a long time, but are no longer good because, you know, it just didn't age well. You know, the the effects, the graphics, the dialogue might have not aged well, the jokes might have not aged well. Mm -hmm. The content effects. Yeah. Yeah. The content itself may no longer be appropriate, you know, or uh, acceptable in any capacity. And just because something like that's a classic, if I'm not okay with the content that's in it, and and Nosferatu I am, so please don't take that as I wasn't okay with this movie, because I was. But I think it's important to say that if we are not okay with something in a movie, or even if it's just like, yeah, this movie was fun. It wasn't that scary, but it was fun. I think it's important for us to not force ourselves to put it into the vault, just because it's a classic. Because if we're not going to rewatch it, What's the point?
0: Exactly. I agree with everything you just said. Good. But with all that being said, (laughs) I still feel like this one right here, Nosferatu, Mm -hmm. now that I've seen it, I actually do want to put it in the vault. Mm -hmm. Just because, yes, it does have historical value, but I'm not saying that's the reason it should be. It's a combination of things. It has historical value. It has this amazing special effect that was done in 1922, that uh-huh. was so effective and done so well, they use it to this day, uh-huh. nearly 100 years later. That's impressive. Yeah. That is impressive. Plus, I can envision us having some sort of drive-in Nosferatu night, where everybody dresses as the characters, or maybe we have Slime and the Maggot Boob make their own score and they play it throughout Nosferatu. I mean, I can just see something really fun being done around this. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's worthy of being available in the vault.
1: Yeah, I do agree with that. Because I actually did notate that down earlier on in my notes. That it would be fun to watch this movie with... Um, some sort of comedic dubbing um, to
0: it. Oh, an MST3K treatment on this would be amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and for that reason, and all the reasons you said, and like I said, even my notes that never said, you know, that I don't, I, I, I think it's tough because like I said, in comparison to Silence of the Lambs, to Jaws, you know, thinking about, ooh, those movies, yeah, genuinely creeped me out. This one never did, but for the, the reason um the reasons that you mentioned and yeah being able to utilize it in the future i think it would be so fun to even if we could you know we could make something in the future where we do small dubbed versions of you know maybe some bonus content for our listeners or something would be hilarious and i would totally be down to do it um so yeah i have no qualms at all putting this in the vault i think it's a fun one i think like you said you know if you don't want to watch this movie you don't have to you never you should never feel forced to watch something you don't want to and that's the point of our podcast if you don't want to watch these movies and you just want to hear somebody talking about it that's what we're here for you don't have to watch the movie to enjoy our podcast Um, and our
0: version's probably better
1: exactly I was just about to say and honestly our version of Nosferatu that we put out for you here is the real movie (laughs) so really is you should trust us far more than you should trust IMDb Wikipedia. Well, obviously,
0: uh, we are the authority. Here. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, we've actually just bought out Google, so if you could just <laughs> believe us and uh... fake news. <laughs> but yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm I'm more than okay with this going in the vault. I think it's a fun one. I'm so glad that I got to see it. I like I said, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. And here we are, 99 years later, with this old ass movie that was funny creepy it it was just a fun time to watch it i enjoyed it
0: fun time was had by all exactly well that's gonna do it for us episode number four is in the can in the can it's in the can Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Dead Zone Drive-In on your favorite listening platform. And if you're looking for a way to support us, we would be so grateful if you would leave a rating and or review. And if you screenshot that review and send it to us, we're going to send you your very own Dead Zone Drive-In sticker for free. That's no money's honey. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at deadzonedrivein at gmail.com.
1: And if you're wanting to reach us by snail mail, our address is P.O. Box 12665, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73157. We'll be sure to pick it up while we're driving through our hometown. Also, don't forget to check out the Linktree URL in our show notes to check out our socials and our letterbox so you can keep up with all the movies we're watching. Lastly, be sure to check us out next week as we'll be watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: I'm so excited! (laughs) And remember, if you're looking for the Dead Zone and want to join us for a weekend showing, if you've listened to this episode in its entirety, you'll have been provided with all the information you need. Don't forget your ticket. Good night, folks, and please buckle up. We'll be waiting for you do-over mm-hmm. a mulligan if you will mm-hmm. i said that weird <laughs> a mulligan if you will god damn it <laughs> if you were wolf. do you werewolf a
1: mulligan if you werewolf
0: and now folks it's time to say good night we sincerely appreciate
1: your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment